Welcome to the Speckled Truth Podcast. This is the only show dedicated to the conservation of the trophy trout population from the East Coast to the Gulf Coast. Here, we go below the surface to discuss what happens when science and anglers work together for a cause. Gear up with your host, Captain Chris Bush, a trophy trout purist, leader and educator within the fishing community, as he talks about all things big speckled trout. Get ready for the slimy, salty truth, better known as the speckled truth. Hey everyone, I want to welcome you back to the Speckled Truth Podcast. Captain Chris here with a very special guest. And, and to be brutally honest, very humbled today to be talking to this man. And that's Mr. Eric Botnick from Mirror Lore. Sir, hey, how you doing? I'm doing great, Captain Chris. How are you doing today? Uh, this is great. This is a very surreal moment for me because never in my wildest dreams would I ever have even thought I'd have the opportunity to talk to the president of Miralore and you, and, and this is just a very uh, surreal moment for me, sir. So I just wanted you to know right up front that um, I'm humbled. <laughs> well, that's awfully nice of you, Chris. But listen, I'm just a, I'm just a general, I'm just a fisherman that that happens to manufacture fishing lures and have that passion for uh, for inshore, offshore, any type of fishing. Um, and I'm just so happy to be. Uh, to have a job which allows me to be in the fishing industry. Now, is that, so uh, I ask every guest that, and so obviously you owning Miralore, which is amazing, but how did you actually, have you always been a fisherman? I mean, to give people a little bit of back. I was so bat, fortunate. Bat, yeah. um, I have a twin brother that actually is a full-time captain out of Boca Grande, Florida. Uh, he uh, specializes in shore fishing. Uh, and our father, um, he would, uh, he's the one that introduced us to fishing and hunting. Uh, uh, he was a dentist and, uh, a lot of dentists here in Florida, they take off Fridays. So, uh, okay. we had a lot of Friday flus when we were going to school <laughs> and my, uh, my father would take my twin brother, Frank and I, um, and expose us to offshore grouper fishing, inshore trout, redfish and snook, you know, dove hunting, deer hunting. I mean, we, uh, we just, uh, really were very fortunate growing up and that kept uh, my twin brother and I out of problems. Uh, uh, you know, we didn't play sports in high school or anything. All we did was fish and hunt and uh, have a tremendous amount of fond memories of that. And uh, just really want to thank my father for allowing us uh, the great opportunities and memories he's made uh, for my brother and myself. And for me, that speaks volumes because my dad and if, uh, you've heard, uh, I've, I talk about my dad perpetually because he has been probably the single greatest component to me in my life. And not only that, for introducing me to the outdoors and my brother, obviously, my actually my family. And so when we talked about it in episode one, I had my dad on here. And the reason I wanted to have him on as the first guest of the Speckled Truth podcast was because like anything we do fishing related, he's the first. And the reason he is, is because he's the, he's the reason I love this sport so much. And so, you know, exactly. I got to give it to him and you're yep. right. I mean, it, yep. it starts it's with hundred percent, right. You're hundred percent, right. And, uh, without him introducing us to the sport of fishing or hunting, you know, uh, this would never have been possible. You know, I might've taken up football or soccer or baseball, uh, who knows, but, uh, I'm so glad that he spent time and, 
and focused on 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 the sport of fishing for sure. And like you were talking about Friday flus, when I was a senior in high school, I wish it would have started a little bit earlier, but he would pull me from school, uh-huh. especially on fall foggy mornings. We'd go to Myrtle Grove. I never forget it. And uh, in Louisiana, on Louisiana Delta. And so we would go fishing. We'd catch a limited trout. And then I'd be back at school for like right before lunchtime. And he would do it on special occasions. But I think he knew the value of like, True. okay, my, my boy needs a break. I was playing baseball and stuff like that. I was into sports. and But it was a way for us to kind of just get away for a moment and and reconnect and, and be father and son and be in the beauty of the Louisiana Delta. So yeah, that's great, super cool. Great story. And and I also so think, Chris, it, it, it taught us uh, parenting skills, you know, because that's what I do with my daughters now um, is, is take them fishing and, and expose them to the outdoors and such. And why do we do that? Because that's the way we were trained, you know, so in, mm-hmm. in sort of a parenting skill, if you will, as well. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm taking my oldest, uh, Ramsey, he's 10. I just bought him a set of waders, but, uh, and I told him, I said, when you turn 10, you can start wade fishing with me. And so last year was kind of the first time he's been wading with me and this, that, and the other thing. And he, he enjoys it. He, he definitely doesn't have the passion like I did. You know, Mm -hmm. I see my middle one. He, he definitely has a love for it, Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit more, but he's seven. And so Again, it's kind of like that rite of passage. Of course, we're going to go fishing, but to wade fish here in the Texas flats, 10 years old, you'll get your own first set of waders and wow. we'll, we'll get going, sir. So, wow, that's but, uh, awesome. That is so good. Yes, yeah, sir. So so tell us a little bit about mirror lore. So how, how did that get started? Well, my grandfather back in uh, 1937, he was a carpenter by trade. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you know, long winters up in Kankakee, Illinois would drive him to the basement and uh, he'd start whittling, uh, you know, lures out of hardwood. And, you know, the spring uh, would come around. He would take those prototypes, bring them to the Kankakee River and fish for smallies and walleye and mm-hmm. largemouth bass. And uh, that's where he got his start. And then um, in the early 40s, he started that uh, he realized that this wood thing was uh was really very labor intensive and, you know, he mm-hmm. felt that he couldn't uh, produce as many lures as he needed to, to make a living. So that's when he started uh, manufacturing or, or, you know, going to have uh, uh, plastic injection machines and molds built to, uh, to, to, to manufacture the lures. Uh, some of the first original baits that my grandfather designed was called the Bassmaster, which is a little jointed bait back then. Um, that had a metal lip to it, a little antiquated uh, in, in today's standards, but um, it was very functional, had a terrific tight action. We actually still manufacture some of those today. They're not a great seller of ours. However, um, you know, I can't discontinue my grandfather's first lure. That's just, that would be just uh, something that I just wouldn't do. Um, so we keep it around and we've got some, uh, some folks in the Midwest that still use them uh, for casting for bass and, and this, that sort of thing. Um, and that's how we got started. And then in the, uh, the mid-50s, he moved down to Florida. Uh, he was manufacturing uh, lures at that time, freshwater baits, and, you know, making a decent living. He still had to have another job. He worked in the shipyards here in Tampa. Um, uh, he actually lived on the Alify River in a, a mobile home. Uh, so then he started dabbling obviously with, uh, with designing saltwater lures. And that was, uh, the first one that he came out with was the famous 52 M. 
Um, okay. Yeah, which we uh, is still a very good seller of ours today. Um, so it still produces. It, it does. It's a good surf bait as well as a wintertime bait for, uh, you know, it sinks at a foot per second. And uh, it's a little, a little uh, antiquated. It's got three sets of hooks because obviously back then there wasn't a lot of conservation uh, back in the 50s and 60s. Mm -hmm. If you caught it, you obviously kept it because that was the food for the family and the neighbors. So uh, um, the baits that we have, have been producing since like the 90s are two sets of treble hooks or nowadays we, you know, have uh, uh, kits where you can make them single hooks as well. But gotcha. that's sort of how LNS got its start um, was uh, the freshwater market. And then ironically, now we're seen as a saltwater lure maker um, you know, in, in our market is from Brownsville, Texas to, to the Chesapeake. That's, that's yes, pretty sir. much where, uh, where mirror lures are sold. And that's, uh, and that's what's been really cool about Speckle Truth, especially in our citation programs, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, but outside of that, our Speckle Truth community. And so, uh, Speckle Truth obviously is for trophy trout conservation. That's what we're noted for. And, mm -hmm. and, and our reach is obviously a pretty much that same route, right? And so in terms of all those yep. various estuaries that hold speckled trout, but now we're just kind of crazy trophy trout nerds is what I keep telling everybody. <laughs> but it's cool because what you do is you get to realize like the reach of of mirror lore and, and truly understand. And we'll talk more about that here in a citation because I'm interested in your take with some of the citation data, not the actual analytics of it, but you as a lore manufacturer and a lore maker. And so, but I listened to you and Captain CA's podcast, which was, um, it was amazing, by the way. I, I really, well, really you. enjoyed that. And and I really look up to CA. I Absolutely. think hopefully that a lot of other people do, uh, especially in this industry, because he's a leader, mm -hmm. he's an educator. It, it's It's far beyond just putting fish over the gunnels and into an ice chest or, or releasing right. them. And obviously I know that's his line of work, but he's done so much with Man. regards Man. to, um, he does a lot for the sport it, of fishing and yes. conservation, water quality. I mean, the, the listless, the list is endless. And, um, and, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely a great steward for our industry. That's for sure. Such an ambassador. And ambassador, so I was, yep. I was, Really, I was enthralled, honestly, at y'all's relationship and how long that relationship had spanned. And so my question to you is, you know, understanding UNCA's relationship, do you have relationships with other guides, with other watermen, with other folks across various estuaries that have been monumental or influential in Miralore's growth? I do. Um, I certainly do. Uh, and, and, and I cherish those relationships. Most of them are older guys because I'm an old guy. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, you sort of get to know who the folks are that are always there. They're, you know, whether they're they fish a bunch and, and you just you get to know them and, and they become your friends. And and you learn so much because, you know, say uh, a Lowell Odom out in Texas or a Jay Watkins, yeah. you know, those guys are iconic legends in the field and they see the big picture. The Scott Moore's here in Florida, um, uh, TJ Stewart, my twin brother, Frank, they see the big picture and that is conserving, uh, conserving the, uh, the fish, you know, uh, and, uh, and do what's right for the, for the future generations so they can see what we've seen in the past. And that's mm -hmm. so vital in, it just appears like there's more and more conservation. Um, I'm all about keeping some fish when it's right, but um, 
certainly there's no need to catch uh, when you catch a you know a trophy trout you know it, it should be you know a few pictures and release it that's just yeah. that's a given because we know how hard it is to get to a fish up to 26 27 inches you know and and that fish needs to continue to breed and and do its thing yeah and so the you know the relationship you mentioned two of those names in there Lowell Odom and, and Jay Watkins. So Jay was actually on the podcast earlier this year. And oh, really? Great. He, oh my gosh. Uh, honestly, that's our most downloaded episode. Right. Iron, right. That, there's really honestly not a shocker to most. Yeah. Um, and we but, use, we use those guys, um, you know, to, to help us in, in understanding what's going on in their particular market. I mean, obviously he knows the Texas coast, whether it's to the South of him, 200 miles to the North, he's got a good mm -hmm. pulse of what's going on. So I listen to those close friends and, 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 you know, we, we make uh, uh, lures uh, based on what they ask us sure. for. Um, but it's always good to know what's going on in the industry because I care more about the future than I do the bottom line here at LNS bait company. That's that's super interesting because that's one of the things in his main message in the podcast was obviously through the 40, and you think about it, 40 years of being on the water, chartering, guiding, mm -hmm. teaching people how to one catch fish. But aside from that, like CA taking care of a resource. And mm -hmm. so, man, uh, honestly, he was, he was getting emotional in, in the podcast and it, it shows. And I, I, I always tell people this is it, my, my own personal relationship with speckled trout and big trout, it isn't a fish. It's, it's almost like a sibling. It is literally like a, a part of my family. And so getting to hold a fish, even if for a brief moment, a big fish before releasing her, uh, it's, it's kind of a way it's a connection, right? It, it's something that's mm -hmm. just a little bit more than, yeah. than going out there. And so it was really interesting to hear that, but also too, understanding that he has 40 years of guiding experience on the Texas coast he's, and a legend in his own right. Like, yeah. He's he seen has, it all. He but, really has. <laughs> but in terms of even lore development, you know, he knows this fishery like nobody uh, mm -hmm. else or, or very, very few. And uh, it's just got to help with regards to how to target them. And so one of those lures has recently been the, 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 the double D the Jay Watkins double yeah. D. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it's, it's interesting because you, I see a pattern in, um, you know, folks, it seems like a lot of the, the younger folks that are, that, that come out, they're all about, I want to get my limit. I want to kill as many fish as I can. And then you get to be a little bit more, you know, in your thirties and forties. And it's, it's about, Hey, let's go have a good time if we catch fish. And then it seems like when you get, you know, past your fifties, sixties, then you really say, Hey, listen, I've killed enough trout and I've, you know, caught enough fish it's now about what can i do to help you know promote you know conservation and do what's right for the resource and try to educate maybe some of these people that might be taking too many fish you know yeah no so, for sure i don't know just sure. the way i see it that's just my opinion it's just cool to hear and listen to the the level of input and the level of uh, friendship and the value that you have with these again, kind of legends, like living legends in the game to some extent, and just how that's been monumental I, mm -hmm. in terms of mere lore's growth. And it, it does it, it totally makes sense why they're continuing to be productive is like you had mentioned that you have an ear uh, for the fishery. And aside from that, obviously from a marketing perspective and everything else, but 
you create lures that catch fish. And we're, again, I'm, I keep alluding to that, but we're going to talk more about that here in yeah, that citation absolutely. data. But I wanted to, the reason I wanted to kind of highlight that in terms of relationships was because again, it's all about memories and, and the relationships and the memories we make on the water. And one of my fondest memories, and I grew up throwing jigs. My dad and I, I've said this a million times, is that we fished jigs pretty much almost exclusively soft plastics. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I never really threw a whole lot of hard baits mm -hmm. until one day it was actually in Myrtle, or it actually is Lafitte. It's called Spoonbill Bay. My dad, uh, he had a couple of 5Ms. And the rest was kind of history at that point. Because that was, I, for me, the first top water I had ever thrown. <laughs> and so, one, isn't it? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I can, I, I'll never forget it. You know, they had a little, obviously a little grass flat coming off and we're fishing a little point and uh, just pitching it in there. And I, I was so enamored just seeing a big trout or not, not even a big trout, but a trout hit um, that 5A, that dual prop bait. Mm -hmm. And so that's a memory that sticks with me forever. And, and so, going even further my first seven pound trout came on a on an actual top dog and then my 11 pound trout which is my biggest trout i've ever caught actually came on a she dog and so mirror lore's kind of been there throughout wow. but these are memories that i have but for you uh being the owner do you get customers that share memories and if so is there one that kind of stands out to you wow um you know that's one of the best things about our business is when we get a call, typically it's someone calling to share an experience and also either tell us about that experience or to purchase a lure. And yeah. it, they sort of go hand in hand because, sure. uh, you know, they, they, they want to tell you how great the lure is doing and then they want to, you know, place an order. And that's just so great because it's just rewarding you know, we live in a day where you don't get a lot of compliments and, and that sort of thing. So when sure. someone, you know, we sell a product that is giving folks pleasure and that's the best thing. You know, I mean, we got happy customers. Yeah, we got some problems every now and then. Somebody will talk about a lure issue or what have you. But we quickly take care of that. And uh, then they're back on telling us about why this bait is the best and why it's their favorite or what have you. Now, to answer your question, what is... Uh, I've got, certain, one, I've got one memory. Um, or a personal memory, I mean, for that uh, matter. I, I, yeah. I, I want to put you on the spot because, uh, again, it's just such a, a fixating bait. It's such a, a bait that just, again, it, it, obviously catching a first fish on a hard plastic bait, either top water or even, like I said, uh, I remember still to this day as well when the Catch 2000s came out. My dad kind of going, dad and I going out there, the Chelan Pass and fishing out there in the Empire area and just absolutely demolishing big red fish and some beautiful trout mm -hmm. in the surf right there in Chelan Pass. And so that was my true, like first true subsurface, like suspending style bait bite. And yeah. uh, it's just cool to kind of, those are kind of earmarked in in the file of fishing, if you will, in your brain, yeah. it's kind of, and funny, I've got, but... I've got so many of those. It's unbelievable, you know, in the, and, uh, it's, um, you know, you, when you, when you go out there and fish, you know, you never know what you're going to see. you never know what you're going to catch. Um, I have one, you know, some of the best memories are when we go take a prototype, like the catch 2000 and we'll mm -hmm. take it down here to, uh, Bel Air boat ramp, which is just a public boat community right there. 
And I remember the uh, Catch 2000, you know, we started working. And this is the first year 2000, obviously. And, and it was actually a little bit before that, uh, 1999. And we were, we were working with the prototype. And, uh, you know, we were figuring out what we were going to do with it, how we were going to balance it, you know, that sort of thing. Because it was really, truly our first suspending style bait. Um, and, um, we brought it down there and I think the first prototype that we threw, we kind of snuck on it the first go around. And that was just mm-hmm. a sort of an iconic mark to a, uh, a, a type of lure that remains our most popular type of lure that we sell today. And that's the suspending twitch bait. And, mm-hmm. uh, so that was sort of, it marked a, Hey, listen, we're on to something plus all the other you know, guides and resources that we use to give us input. But at that particular time, we didn't have any prototypes. We just had one and we didn't circulate any out yet. We were trying to figure out what we thought as fishermen, as producers and maker of the mirror lure, this is what it should be. And then we basically make up a prototype, uh, you know, duplicate that single prototype and, you know, circulate it to our 200 pro staffers throughout the Southeast. And then we listen to what they have to say about the bait. But Going out there, catching a fish, the first cast on that prototype. Oh, my God. Uh, that was just a great memory and say, hey, listen, let's move forward with this because this is this is going to work. So that's just one Do, of the many, many memories that I have, Chris. I bet. And there's probably so many. I, I mean, to be frank, I, I actually get a lot of messages with regards to one, the podcast. But secondly, you know, changing people's mindsets. I got one recently. Actually, I showed it to my wife because it's. It's a pretty emotional moment. Now, I can't remember the person's name or anything like that, but I remember the gist of it and was like, hey, I really appreciate kind of you guys' efforts to kind of just help, you know, bring awareness to, you know, conserving a resource. And I really appreciate it. It's definitely changed my mindset and how I approach fish and not only that, but how to take care of them. And so just a simple message like that, it it goes to your point, which is if somebody took the time to literally sit down, think cognitively, and then put that in paper or text, and then, then message. I think it came through Instagram. Yeah. And then actually read that. It's like valued feedback because you're like, oh my God, like maybe this is actually doing something. It is. And Absolutely. it's not like we're trying to change the world. We're just trying to say, hey guys, like yeah. take what you need, release the rest. Let's have a resource. But exactly. it's just very rewarding to some extent. But that's got to be super cool, especially as a, a global brand like Miralore. I know it'd be super hard for you to remember all those, but good God, I'm sure you get a ton of feedback. We do. We do. And all different countries. And, uh, you know, we we're fortunate because we've got some other product lines as well. You know, we're talking mainly mirror lure today, but, um, we've got a, we've got a company Island lures and that's been around for like 50 years as well. And it's as iconic brand name, in the offshore trolling market as mirror lure is to the inshore saltwater game. Um, so we get, I'm just so blessed to be able to, to see the, the blue water side and hear some things about that as well. So, and that's, that's something I never even thought of. Um, again, I, I tell people if honestly, if trout didn't exist, I don't even know if I'd actually like <laughs> fishing. And so to, to then think of how large kind of your, the brand portfolio is in terms of Island lures and obviously mirror lure, um, that it is a things, that is a it, large volume yeah, of species. It, 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 it sort of it's some diversity, if you will. We yeah. do a little dabble, a little bit in the offshore market, a yeah, little sure, bit in the inshore sure. market, and it That's all cool. works. But uh, yeah. you know, someone asked me the other day, Chris. I said, "What is your favorite species and why?" And I said, 
you know, the speckled trout is just, it's, <sighs> it pays the bills at mirror lure. You know, certainly uh, <laughs> yeah. a redfish will hit a mirror lure, you know, you know yeah. a snook will hit, tarpon will hit a mirror lure. But, you know, it, that speckled trout has got a great attitude typically, especially mm-hmm. the smaller ones. Now, when they get up there, it seems like over 22, 23 inches, you know, they, they get a little bit more particular and you really got to really play yes, the good big fish game to try to try to trick those on artificial. But uh, anyway, that speckled trout normally has a great attitude in from, you know, Carolinas to North Carolina, you know, great eating fish. And it's just uh, yeah. uh, one that it, you can just have a lot of action, whether you want to catch it on top or, or below the surface on soft plastics, it all yeah. works. Now, is that your personal favorite? Top water, yes. Oh, no, is that your personal favorite species? Is it, yes, is it speckled? Yeah. speckled trout. Yeah, absolutely. I knew, I knew you were a good man, Mister. <laughs> now I can honestly say I think the largest speckled trout I ever caught is only twenty six inches. So I, I'm not even in your club, you know. But uh, I get you. Uh, you know, one of these days I'm going to have to spend some time in in your backyard of Texas, or spend more time over with Eddie on the east coast of uh, yes, sir. Jacksonville, and uh, and, and and catch one, uh, you know, twenty seven to. Maybe one over 30. That would be great to be in the 30-30 club. That's right, sir. So, hey, open invite anytime. And obviously, I know Jay and, and Lowell and, and, uh, and the other folks here in Legends on the Coast. But that'd be really cool if you could get down here. I'd like to take a small break to sincerely thank our podcast sponsors. As you know, we're a brand about sharing the passion and pursuit of trophy speckled trout, as well as our conservation. Fortunately for us, Mirror Lore, Texas Custom Lures, and the original Custom Corky support that same passion, which is evident through the support of this podcast. Simply put, without these brands, none of this will be possible. And we're incredibly appreciative, and we hope you are too. Now, let's get back to the discussion. Now, so let's, I want to segue to that because I think that's perfect. Talking about Dirty 30 and getting over here to Texas because I alluded to this pre-show to you. I didn't share it with you, though. And I want our listeners to know that I didn't share this with you. But in our citation programs, we uh, basically ask a member when they submit a fish. Now, it's got to be over 27 inches. And um, we'll send them a citation sticker. Now, if it's over 30 inches, we'll send them a Dirty 30 box, which includes Miralore product. But what we ask the anglers to do is submit their address. And aside from that, the location, lore, and then the date it was caught, et cetera, et cetera. And so the lore, I, I tallied it up because I was kind of interested to see. And so to give you an idea is, uh, so thus far, trophy trout citations in dirty 30s to, and this is current through March, uh, we've had 154 registered into our program. And so that's from Virginia all the way down to, to South Texas. Wow, that's a of, lot of yeah. It is actually 27 inches or above. That's actually a lot of fish. Um, and that's understanding like we don't reach all the anglers across the coast. Actually, I just had a, a lady uh, submit a fish yesterday and she had never heard of us. And that's okay. That's totally fine. Again, we're just try- uh, we're collecting it for the data. Anyway, I don't want to belabor the point. The point is, is that of those 154 fish, 64 of them were caught on a mirror lore product. And so wow. I'll, I'll kind of give you a rundown. So uh, 52 MR was one 17 MR, which is the Miradine was five 27 MR, which is the XL seven, the mirror lore provoker, which is your soft, bra- uh, soft plastic line, which is one, the devil had two, 
top waters. So that was, I just kind of grouped those together. That was three. The 18 MR, which is your heavy Dean was three. The double D was two. And then the soft Dean XL was nine. And then the Paul Brown fat boy, 32. Wow. Wow. <laughs> now I bring that up because 42, that's 42% of the current citations taken this year were caught on a Miralor product. Wow. That's a lot, sir. I'm impressed. I, that's impressive. I really, that, that's, I would have, I would have guessed the number would be had been a little lower. I had a seeking, uh, I had a suspicion that, that, that fat boy would, would be the, would be the leader. Uh, because that just, it just seems like that is a tool that, that a lot of trophy trout fishermen use as a fat boy for sure. Yeah. And, but so. I think it's a testament though, again, getting back to your ability in, in mere lures ability to make lures that catch fish. And that is tangible evidence, sir, that you are on that path that what you're I like putting. About, what I, that, I appreciate that. What I like about that data is it's just not one lure. It's a series of lure. It's hard baits, you know, top water, hard baits, sinking our soft mm -hmm. plastics, which is relatively new in the marketplace, but we've got some good brands and then into the Paul Brown and we know the legend of Paul Brown lures. So I'm really happy with that. And again, this is the first time that I've heard these statistics and it, it sort of blows me away. I'm, I'm really very, very, very pleased about that. No, it, but 42%, I mean, you think about all the other lore manufacturers out there, Hedden, Rapala, you know, obviously all the soft plastic brands, Z-Man to the matrix heads or the down South lures and, and all these different, you know, companies that are out there, obviously pushing product that obviously target inshore species, but yet almost half, a little less than half, of all those big fish. And I mean, we're talking 27 plus to include your 30 inchers come off of your, your product line. That's, that is, that is awesome. And, and so I, that was what was cool listening to UNCA's podcast was talking about the form. Is it still the slogan or was the former slogan of the record setters? Uh, the record setters is what it, uh, we, we've, we switched a little bit now, but, uh, uh, the record setters is is we've had we had uh, quite a few of them. The family tradition was original. Then we went to the record setters. So uh, I like the family tradition, but the record setters just says it all. So it, 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 if you don't mind, just so I mean, what what was the story behind that? Oh, I really don't know. I mean, that was uh, a little bit before my time. Um, I oh, don't the know why that. Yeah, I just. I uh, I just think that we needed a change. I think that was back in somewhere around the early nineties is when we made that change. And it just sounded good at the time. I think at that time we were trying to introduce a bunch of new products and stuff like that. And we wanted to freshen the brand up. I think we did a, a packaging change around there too, but that was eh, close to 30 years ago. So I don't remember quite the specifics there, Chris, I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. No worries, sir. So, um, uh, but 32, 32 caught in a Paul Brown fat boy. Um, <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about how Mirlore and Paul Brown and, and how that all came to be? Well, you know, it was funny back in the 90s. Uh, I'd always hear, you know, our pro staffers, uh, you know, Jay Watkins, Lowell Odom, they'd always, I'd hear about the Corky, the Corkies, the Corkies, the, you know, which is the Paul Brown bait that he had designed. And I'm thinking, you know, here we have all these suspending baits that we're coming out with. And, you know, even in the uh, 2002, 2003, you know, we heard all the stuff about, you know, what was happening and, and, uh, you know, I, I felt that the mirror lure could to do just the same job as the Paul Brown lures. And, uh, 
and uh, so finally, I just got so sick and tired of hearing about the Corky and Paul Brown's baits. I just, um, my sales rep said to me, he said, well, I know Paul Brown, you know, do you want me to get in contact yeah. with him? And I said, sure. So he picked up the phone and, um, uh, and, uh, and he called me back. Mike Carey, my sales rep called me back and said, uh, yeah, Paul's interested in selling this company. And I said, my goodness, this is happening pretty quickly. So, uh, yeah. You know, I flew over and I took my production manager, Ray Siafi, over and we met Paul and his lovely wife, Phyllis, and uh, we started chatting and so on and so forth. And, you know, they're up there in age and they just said, you know what, we want to, we, we, we're tired of having people come by uh, the store, they called it, which was their garage. And uh, uh, during Christmas and some holidays, he says, you know, people are knocking on the door all the time to try to get these baits. And, uh, yeah. They were tired of it. They said, "Hey, listen, we're we're willing to sell your your company, you know, their company." And I said, "Well, I'd love to buy it." And uh, we worked out an agreement, and um, you know, the rest is history. So uh, um, it was a great uh, business relationship, and um, uh, we paid them, uh, you know, a lot of money for the company, and uh, they're happy, and we're happy. So yeah. um, I'm just so pleased to have that under our umbrella of products, though, Chris, because uh, it is an iconic brand for trophy trout. Oh, it's, it's got a cult like following, uh, whether you like it or not, sir, I'm, t- I'm here to tell you that, uh, the corky thump is a real thing. And it is like, it is like the world's or the angling world's strongest drug. Mm-hmm. And so people will go to the ends of the earth to buy corkies and fish corkies and learn how to fish corkies just so they can feel that thump. Yeah. And then when they feel that thump, they want to do it again. And so it'll make them, you know, launch the boat in 30 degree weather with it spitting sideways or whatever it is. And so it's just all to feel that thump, but it goes back to, you know, looking at that level of production, uh, for those big, big fish, you know, 32 of, again, of the 154 come on a single bait. Uh, that's definitely a testament to how, how good that lore is in terms of targeting those big fish. And Chris, uh, I remember talking to Paul in, in his in his garage, and we were talking a little bit about. I asked him. I said, "Paul, you know, how did you come about this design of the original? Was the first one he came out with the you yes, know sir. Paul Brown original?" So we, um, he said, "Well, you know, I took the fifty one mirror lure and simply, you know, sort of cast a, a rough, uh, you know, mold out of it, and then poured a you know poured a soft plastic around it and put some cork in it. So that's where the name Corky came from." was the cork that he put inside the bait. Yes, sir. But he also found out that the cork was inconsistent, so started using some foam rubber. So, you know, the consistency was much better. You know, it's still not perfect. You know, at Mirror Lure, we can make it really consistent. The sink rate is not going to change, but even with a Paul Brown, uh, any type of those baits, there are air bubbles, there's the foam mm-hmm. density, and there's some small little changes that happen internally in the bait, but they're ever so slight. Most people don't don't even look at it, but, uh, you know, I, I know for a fact from being the manufacturer and being very particular when we go to manufacture these baits. Yeah. Now talking with Mike McBride, my mentor, that's one of the things when we're talking about it since mirror lures, since, sorry about that. I know you're a super busy guy. No no problem. Uh, I apologize. Is, uh, no, no worries. And so it's, you know, him saying, you know, since mirror lures producing it, he said, honestly, it's, it's, it's for the better because I mean, nothing on Mr. Paul, but you do, you get a much more consistent product in terms of fishability. And so obviously that's what we're looking at as opposed to 
and I still have Paul's fat boys, like literally in the original packaging, um, sitting right here in my room, right? Many of them, I probably have like 25, 30 of them. And so, um, they're here and, but again, it goes back to the consistency and the fishability of the bait. And you know what, when you make a big step about purchasing a company and Paul and his wife had created such a dynasty and people loved going, talking over, they still do talk about it. We love going over there, talking to Paul, you know, and finding out what he's got. So when we purchased that company, we were like, hey, to make this work, we got to make sure Paul is happy and he oversees what's going on with the manufacturing of these baits. So we actually, these are manufactured in our sister factory in Costa Rica. We flew Phyllis and Paul down there to oversee the operation. And I, it was the first day Paul came walking over to me. He watched, he taught our ladies how to wrap the wires and how to put the foam in. Every d- detail that goes yeah. into making a Paul Brown, he taught our employees down there. And the end of that day, he said, Eric, I have no problem at all with this. He says, these ladies are making them better than what I did in my factory at his place there in Houston. And that That's made awesome. me feel so good. But still, we had to make sure that the public was still going to purchase them and go through. And there was nobody skipped the beat. We made them the same way and we still make them to the same way today. And that's what that's what's so important when you take a company over is to make sure yeah. you don't go at changing things. Don't go to discontinuing things. Um, and, and that's what we feel is the best success to making the brand live on is yeah. is simply don't change a thing make them the way they were designed. No. And that's, that's cool because it's almost like Paul Brown and Miralore synonymous, right? I mean, everybody still calls them the Paul Brown fat boy. I still do. Mm-hmm. Although they're, they're manufactured by Miralore and they're a Miralore product and people mm-hmm. buy them from a Miralore site. And so it, it's actually in Texas, you will get corrected to some extent if you call it a Miralore fat boy. It, it's, <laughs> it's Paul Brown's buddy. Yep, like it, it, it is. is that. And so, that's really cool to see the humility, I think, on both sides, both from you and saying, Paul, this is your baby creation here, you know, showing him that process, making sure that we're doing it right to continue that legacy, but also the humility on Mr. Paul's side and saying, hey, y'all are doing it a hell of a lot better than I could. And so I'm, uh, that's amazing that you guys are able to produce a more consistent product. Was, and so what a just, symbiotic relationship it, there. Absolutely. And, you know, you, you go through things and it's scary when you, you know, pay a lot of money for a company and you don't know what's going to work out or not. You know, you have some things that, yo, we can't do this. We can't do that. And, and when it makes, when it all comes through and at the end of the day, you know, sales are stronger than what they were the year before. And you hear uh, the statistics that you mentioned uh, of all these huge trout caught on our products. It's just, um, it's very rewarding. Let me just say that. I bet. Is that, is that Miralore's bestseller? Um, on the, the Paul, Paul Brown, fat, mm-hmm. uh, the Paul Brown on the Paul Brown lures, the fat boy is our bestseller, I see. but, uh, you know, we sell a lot more mirror lures like the Miradine and, uh, okay. uh, pretty much blows it away when it comes in that situation. Cause I mean, we sell a lot of hard baits. We really do. Um, yeah. the, you know, the Paul Brown has a little bit more of a window, uh, typically it's seen as a wintertime bait, even though there's a lot of people that throw it the summertime, but it's seen like a six, six to seven month window where mirror lure, at least in, in a lot of these states are, are 12 monthly, you know, 12 month seller, yes, you sir. know, so, so, um, so, 
so I don't know if you know this or not, probably not, and that's okay, but I actually wrote an article and I did a lot of study on this uh, on the Paul Brown series. And so my, really the, the question that I had was Paul Brown or quirky season, excuse me, quirky season, true or false. And so what I did is in a, t- in a tank right outside my back door, I took some tap water with zero salt in it and I measured the sink rate and profile for all mm-hmm. the Paul Brown products. Mm-hmm. And then what I did is I basically reduced, so it was like at 75 degrees was the water temp. And then what I did is I chilled the water to 55 degrees at, and then I added some kosher salt cause it was clean salt. And then what it, we brought it to was 15 parts per thousand. And I have all the measurements and I've shared that uh, with our followers in that article. And I can't remember the specifics, but let's say at 72 degrees, zero parts per thousand, the sink rate was like, let's say one second per foot, right? Mm -hmm. At 55 degrees, at 15 parts per thousand, it slows down to um, like, let's say two and a half seconds per foot. Mm-hmm. Then I chilled it even more. No, a, a correction. I didn't chill it even more. I kept it at 55 degrees and I added um, more kosher salt and I brought it to 30 parts per thousand. And the sink rate of these of these fat boys was like three seconds per foot. And so it shows that in the wintertime, these baits have different fish ability based off of water temp and density. And so I don't know if a lot of people are thinking about that. And especially if you think about like the surroundings of it um, is like, hey, we're, we're seeing a reduced water column due to northerly winds and and fallen tides and, and things of that nature. And those fish, when they are, especially those larger fish are coming up shallow. Uh, some of them come up shallow in these, in these shallow water complexes here, like in South Texas, mm-hmm. uh, like Mansfield. And so now you have a capability to fish a larger profile bait that sinks really slow in a really reduced water column. And so I said, quirky season, true or false? It's true. Yeah, of course they catch fish all year, but Mm -hmm. going to like the specifics, again, studying bait, sink rate, and profile, it does. It it takes on a life of its own in the wintertime. And then not only that, I see through the other citation data that these fish are obviously eating corkies, but they're also eating big top water baits or eating soft XLs. They're just, yep. they're looking for larger profile baits. So they now are. it's kind of the best of both worlls. You got a big mm-hmm. profile bait that has a fishability for that particular condition. Yep. So corky season, true. That's probably why you're seeing maybe that little bit of a bump there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and water salinity is, is so key to any really, sus- any suspending or sinking baits, you know, because salinities change. You know, typically the winter months, we have less rain than the summertime. So obviously salinity can go up in that manner as well. And uh, that's why we uh, we use our, 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 our Bel Air boat ramp as the uh, as a <laughs> salinity. And uh, it does vary. Uh, even along your coast, uh, it varies quite a bit with salinity. So it uh, does. And it, and it makes a difference, you know, where some. Yes, sir. Some areas, you know, the double D floats and uh, most of the time the double D floats, but uh, there are some baits that we make that, that float, uh, like say the fat boy floater and other mm-hmm. areas that just sinks very slowly. So, That's again, uh, you know, it, uh, it all depends on salinity and, 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 and that sort of thing. So Yes, sir. In a baffin complex, an actual fat boy floater will, will literally float with mm-hmm. its nose up. Uh, yep. And if, if it warms up, if you have a warming uh, uh, water column, just due to the actual density of the column, it will actually slow sink. It's actually really, really unique. But 
I did have one last question, Mr. Eric. I mean, okay. and so you've, I think you've kind of alluded to it a little bit because I know we're pushing time and I'm, I'm mindful of your time by that. But so what's that process look like for you guys when designing like a hard bait to kind of dial in that proper buoyancy and, and sink rate and action? I mean, do y'all have like a, a no kidding process or is it like, Hey, let's create this thing, go test it and see what happens. Well, we do, uh, Chris, um, you know, we, we look at the, some of our better sellers, you know, and, uh, you know, since you know, the 17 is, is, is our best seller, that sink rate is one that's used or, or that fishermen prefer from North Carolina to Texas. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll match if we're going to design a particular uh, sink rate, whether it's a sinking or a subsurface bait, we'll look at the popular sellers in that category. When it comes to surface walkers, obviously, the, the, the more user-friendly, the easier that bait is to walk uh, is what we look at. And that has a ba- you know, basis on lure shape and the weight, how much weight is in the tail of the bait, whether it has twin rattles. There's several variables. I mean, we're not building rocket ships here. They're just fishing lures. But yes, you know, we definitely still look at we want these baits to, to, to fish easy and um, obviously produce fish. So I got you. Well, cool, sir. Well, uh, again, sir, super mindful of your time. I wanted to one, say thank you, uh, for supporting speckle truth. Never again in my wildest dreams would I've ever said like I have, and I'm talking with Mr. Eric Botnick, but, um, aside from that, obviously you guys being so supportive of what we're doing here at speckle truth, truly from myself, Kyle, Ed and Keith, Truly, truly appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Well, we're going to continue to support you guys. You guys are doing a great job, and uh, we appreciate all you do for for everyone, you know, and, and getting the word out of conservation for uh, for the speckled trout. So, uh, cool. Chris, thanks for having me. I really had a great time. I always enjoy talking fishing, and uh, keep up the great work. Appreciate it, sir. Thanks again. Hey, for everybody else sticking around, really appreciate it. Um, what an awesome episode talking with Mr. Eric Botnick, uh, again, super appreciative, but again, uh, they're, they're podcast supporters. So I, I got to give it out to Mr. Eric, uh, from Mirror Lures, our podcast supporter, as well as Mr. Lowell from Texas Custom Lures and the original Custom Corky, as well as Mossy Oak Fishing without their support and without Mr. Eric's support, none of this happens. So, um, again, help support, uh, these brands that support our podcast and our cause, Uh, for again targeting big fish and promoting conservation so until next time guys tight lines god bless and always remember take what you need and release the rest god bless